Thank you for listening to Simple Church, where we love God, love others, and serve our world. Tune in today for a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Tom Allen. My name is Tom, and I'm so thankful that you are here. We are uh, in a series that's lasting for quite a few weeks. It's called G-O-A-T, The Greatest of All Times. And we are studying about Christ, who is the greatest of all time. And we saw his greatest birth, and we saw his greatest preparation. We saw him as the greatest teacher. And last week, we saw the greatest miracles, those miracles that he performed. And today, we're going to start for five weeks, just a break in our Greatest of All Time series, to look at the greatest miracle that Jesus ever performed. When you study in the Bible, what you see is that there are three dozen different kinds of miracles that Jesus performed. But what's interesting is what John says about him, because evidently there was so much more that isn't even recorded in the Bible. John put it this way in chapter 21, verse 25. He said, Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. That might be just a little bit of hyperbole on John's part, but I will tell you that he was saying, there's so much that Jesus did, we couldn't even write it down. It just went on and on and on over those three and a half years where he poured his life out to people. The greatest miracle he ever did was the miracle of mercy. That miracle that came from the heart of God the Father and has reached down to us. So let me give you a couple definitions of mercy. First one is this. Mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone who deserves punishment or harm. In other words, mercy is giving someone something they certainly don't deserve. Let me give you another definition. Mercy is love that responds to human need in an unexpected or unmerited way. So God tells us in Luke chapter 6, verse 36, his goal for each of our lives. Here's what he says. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. Now what we're going to learn in these five weeks, if we'll let God really let it seep into our hearts, it will change the way we live our lives, and it will change all of our relationships. Because God has a plan for us in dealing with him and with each other, and him dealing with us. And he wants us to know what that is. It's all built around mercy. God giving us something that we don't really deserve, and it's us giving back to others what our human nature would say, hold on to for yourself. That's mercy. Giving what isn't really even deserved. So I want us to look at four principles and practices of mercy this morning. The first one is this. We start looking and listening for people's needs. See, our problem is that so often we're just too busy to be merciful. Because somehow it seems like everything has to be about us and our needs and our opportunities and our situation, and we can find ourselves walking right past people as if they don't matter to us or to God. And God says, Christians can't live our lives that way. Philippians chapter 2 verse 4 says, don't look out only for your own interests, 
but take an interest in others too. Now, I love that verse because of the word only. Because what it means is, yes, we have to look out after our own interests and our own responsibilities and our own opportunities, but don't only do that. He says, don't look out only for your own interests, but as you're doing what you've got to do, be looking at, looking for other people, their situations, their opportunities, their needs. You see, the highest form of love is not sex. The highest form of love is attention. Because attention means you matter to me. See, attention takes some of our time. And every time we give time to someone else, we're giving our life to them. So we're loving them. We're sharing them. We're doing what Jesus did everywhere he went. He didn't look out after only his own interests, but the interests of others. So here's a key statement. When we look at people, now this is so key, okay? When we look at people, we are showing love for them. Now watch, if we're not careful, we just walk right past them. Because we didn't look at them. But when you look at someone, then all of a sudden, you're showing that you have an interest in their life. And that's when we learn to love them. There's that old song, which I've mentioned before. To know, know, know him or her is to love, love, love him or her. And I do. And I do. But you have to look. You have to learn. You have to be available. So that's the first principle. The second principle of mercy is this. We can't be offended by other people's Sins. Boy, is this important. We can't let other people's problems become our problem. In other words, if you're doing something wrong, that's not what I'm most interested in. I'm interested in you because I want to try to get to know you and to love you and to look at you and to learn about you so that then we might be able to help you in whatever problem you might be having. It's interesting when you study the life of Jesus, he was hanging out with prostitutes. And he was hanging, hanging out with drunkards. And he was hanging out with corrupt business people and diseased people and outcasts and rebellious people. And he hung out with manipulative people and crude people and unloving people. I mean, you just look at him all the time. Those are the people he was hanging out with. You know why? Because he wasn't offended by their sin. He wasn't offended by their Sin. In other words, he looked at them as people of worth and value. Not at the problems they had right at that moment, but as people that were worthy of his looking and learning and time and attention. Not looking at their sin. It's been said, we can't look out for people if we are looking down on them. And what we have to understand is no one in this world is any more important to God than the next person by them. There's not one of you in this room. There's not one of us in this room who's more important than the other to God. God loves us equally and unconditionally. And he says, as much as is humanly possible for you, I want you to model that kind of mercy and love and grace 
to others. That's what Jesus did. He modeled that everywhere he went. And he said, now I want you to live that way. Over in a little book toward the end of the New Testament, it's called Jude, chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, it says this. And you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others. In other words, you just keep looking at people, and instead of seeing maybe what they're doing wrong, you see the potential of their lives. You see what God could do with them to make them right and righteous in his sight, and then live his life out through them. That's how Christ looked at people all the time. He didn't look at them and see them right where they are right now. He looked and saw what they could become. But now right here, there's a caveat that I think is so important for us to understand. And it's right in this same verse. Because after he said, and you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering and who are struggling and who are suffering and maybe who are sinful, you got to show mercy to them. But then he adds this warning and caveat to us as believers. He says, but do so with great caution. Hating the sins that contaminate their lives. Now, now, right here, there's a principle. God wants us to show mercy and love and acceptance to everyone because that's exactly how Jesus approached people. But Jesus never once participated in their sin. He never once participated in their disobedience. They were all loved. They were all accepted but he didn't participate in anything they did wrong. So the principle is showing mercy doesn't mean I excuse everything and say it's okay. I can love a person, but not necessarily approve of what they do. Let me, let me give you an example, okay? And it's built around two extremely important words, acceptance versus approval, okay? Now, if we can understand the difference, then we can show mercy to everybody. Because I want to be a person, and God wants us to be people who accept everyone. I don't care who you are, what you've done, what you're doing, where you're going, where you've been. God says, I want to. I want you to accept that person right where they are, because that's where God meets us every day, right where we are. Then he says, now, I want to take you from here. I want to help you move forward to my plan for your life. So he says, accept everyone, but that doesn't mean that we approve of everything that everyone does. And we have to be honest about that, speaking truth in love. It's just like a parent. Every parent that's a decent parent at all, they love their child with unconditional love. I accept you, my child, as my precious son or daughter. But that certainly doesn't mean that any parent approves of all the things their kids do, just like Aaron was teaching a little while ago. You know, our kids are snots. <laughs> and they'll say things and do things, and you want to just kind of, in a very godly, Jesus kind of way, slap them silly, you know? <laughs> We don't approve of everything they do, but man, do we love them and accept them and want the very best for them. And the Lord says, that's the way I want you to meet people. 
Jesus accepts me completely, but he doesn't approve of everything I do. So showing mercy can get messy, okay? It can get a little messy. 1 Peter 4, 8 says, Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. And I love this. For love covers a multitude of sins. Man, in marriage you have to have that. Because we slap each other around, you know, verbally or emotionally at different times. But man, I love you. You know, don't approve of everything you do, but boy, do I love you. And it covers a multitude of sins. Okay. On September the 6th, 2018, you may have heard of this or read it in the paper or somewhere, because it was just top of the news back in 2018. An off-duty Dallas Police Department patrol officer, her name was Amber Geiger, she entered the Dallas, Texas apartment of a man by accident. She thought it was her apartment, and it wasn't, and he was in there. His name was Bothan Jean, and she fatally shot him, thinking he was intruding in her home when she was intruding in his place. So they had a, a, just nationwide news about it. So sad. And they had a trial, and she was found guilty. And she was sentenced to many years in prison. And at that sentencing, Botham's brother, his name is Brant Jean, he made a very, very shocking, I believe, Christ-like move. Watch this, if you will. I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die, just like my brother did, but I see... I. I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't gonna ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's, what, that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes. And while he was hugging her, he made this statement to her. I love you as a person. I don't wish anything bad on you. If you are truly sorry, I know I can speak for myself. I forgive you. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing Botham would want to do. <laughs> now talk about being an agent of mercy. Because there was a man who was an agent of mercy. He should have hated her. He should have wished the worst for her. And yet, in mercy, he wished the best for her. And that's how God wants us to appreciate, to, to approach people. He wants us to be people who are not offended by someone else's sin, 
That's their problem. It becomes my problem if I take up their offense. And then I'm unforgiving. And then I have to go through all the consequences of unforgiveness. God says, don't live your life that way. Mercy is often messy because true love is unconditional. It's not like saying, get your act together. Be sure you're doing everything the way I want you to do it. Then I'll accept you, and then I might even love you. No. To minister to people, we can't be offended by their sin. There's a third practice of mercy. It's very, very important. We must choose our words carefully. I was just talking to a young man this morning before the service who been in church most of his life. And he said, one of the reasons I turned away and went off into all kinds of things, and there were several reasons for it, but one of them was I, when I went to church, I saw so much hypocrisy. And he said, it just got to a point where I heard what was being preached, and I knew what one of my parents was trying to communicate to me, but I didn't see it lived out. And one of the worst ways that we are hypocrites if we're not careful as Christians is with our words, with the things we say. A follower of Christ can't be mean or rude or sarcastic or putting people down. That is not the way the Word of God tells us to speak. Listen to a couple of verses. Colossians 4, 6. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Oh, God, give me wisdom to know the right thing to say to each person at each time. Ephesians 4.29, one of the coolest verses in the Bible. Don't use foul or abusive language. Out of the mouth of a believing Christian, foul and abusive language should never come. Let everything you say, how much? How much? Everything you say, be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. See, every time that we're together, we're to be encouraging each other, pressing each other on, helping each other become more and more people who are a blessing and an encouragement. It's been said we are never persuasive when we are abrasive. I think it's so true. Mercy means we love people, and the more we love people and the more we understand what's going on in their lives, the more we're going to give them some slack. And so James 3.17 says, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving and gentle at all times, and it's willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism. And it is always sincere. Folks, if you and I want to be like Christ, one of the biggest things that has to be true of our lives is that our words, our words are chosen very carefully. Very carefully. Because it's one of our most powerful witnesses for Jesus. And then the fourth practice of mercy is this. We must value seeing people saved over keeping rules. And I tell you, this is so important. 
Because you know what happens to us as Christians? We get saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone, and we're so happy it's all about Jesus. And then we start putting rules and regulations, expectations and demands, all kinds of performance orientation on each other. And if you don't live up to the way I think you should live up, then uh, I might not even want to be with you. That's religion. Turns people away from Christ all the time. We must value seeing people saved over keeping rules. In God's kingdom, rules aren't nearly as important as relationships. There's a very powerful uh, little incident that happened in Matthew chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 7. It says, about that time, Jesus was walking through some grain fields. Now watch, on the Sabbath. And you know the rules were you don't do anything on the Sabbath. Don't do anything. And he and his disciples were walking through, and they were heading off somewhere. And his disciples were hungry. So they began breaking off some heads of grain and eating them. But some Pharisees saw them do it. And the Pharisees are those religious leaders who knew the rules, and they kept the rules, and they were the biggest hypocrites around. Some Pharisees saw them do it, and they protested. Look, your disciples are breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath. And Jesus responded to them, I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. See, what the Lord is interested in is that we are merciful to others. Not that we just keep all the religious rules and regulations of the church. See, Jesus is more interested about the bellies of his disciples than he was in all of those other rules. His disciples were hungry. Hey, get some food. Don't be hungry. And the key is, over and over again, Jesus showed us that healing and blessing people is so much more important than keeping rules. Now, so we can get out of here by 11.20 <laughs> instead of 11.30. I want to just read you, and I'm just going to read it to you because I don't have time. Each of these is a sermon, okay? But if we want to apply what we've learned today to our lives, here's how we live this out this week. Six things. Number one, look for people in a crisis. They're everywhere. Look for people in a crisis, Galatians 6.2 says, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. So the question is, who this week is God going to bring into your life who is in crisis and God wants to use you to be merciful to them? Second, look for people with unmet needs and help them. They're all over the place. People with unmet needs. Probably right here in this room. Look for them. Notice, look. You know, just don't pass by and act as if they don't matter to you or to God. But look for people with unmet needs and help them. Romans 15, 2 through 3. We should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord, for even Christ didn't live to please himself. Who this week is God going to bring into your life and into my life who has real needs? And if we're not careful, we'll just turn and walk right past them.
like those religious leaders in the Bible. Third, look for people who are grieving and comfort them. They're all over the place. People are hurting, grieving. He says, comfort them. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. Now watch this. So cool. He comforts us in all our troubles. So the Lord, we look to him. Oh God, I got troubles. Comfort me. All right, I'll comfort you. Thank you, Lord. Now why did he do that? Why did he comfort you? It says, so that we can what? What? Look up at the screen. What? Comfort others. Okay? That's what we're supposed to do. We are comforted so that we can then turn comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Who this week is God going to bring right in your life? And they need him through you desperately. Are we going to walk right on past? Or are we going to be there as agents of mercy to share his love and his truth? Number four, look for people needing friends and show hospitality. They're all over the place. There's so many lonely people today. Isn't it amazing? We're more connected than ever before and more lonely than ever before. Romans 12, 13, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them always be eager to practice hospitality. Who needs you this week? Who needs your touch, your time, your attention? See, attention is the highest form of love because it means I'm giving my life to you. Number five, look for people who need a second chance. Don't we all? Everyone. All around us. Look for people who need a second chance. 2 Corinthians 2 7 says, It is time to forgive and comfort him, otherwise he may be overcome by discouragement. Man, there are so many people who are beating themselves up because they did something wrong and they need someone to come alongside and say, That doesn't matter anymore. That's past. Now let's let God deal with that and then let's let God take your life and move you into all that he has planned for you. Who's, who this week's God's going to bring into your life? <laughs> so I'll just bet you one of these six things and probably several of them will be right in front of you and me this week and we don't even know it today but it's going to be there this week and God is going to say, hey, are you willing to be an agent of mercy? In other words, an agent of Christ? in that person's life. The final verse is, uh, is, or idea is look for people who are rude. It's interesting because people expect rudeness to be met with rudeness. And so I would encourage you when someone's rude to you this week, which they very well may be, blow their mind. Be kind to them. Be kind to them. Listen to what 1 Peter 3.9 says. Don't repay Evil for evil. Let's say that together. Don't repay evil for evil. So this week in the workplace, when that snotty person sitting in the desk next to yours is rude, blow their mind. Love them. 
Show them God's kindness. I used to be a part of a church, and some of the people were mad at me because I left and the way we left and whatever. And uh, that was like 25 years ago. <laughs> and I meet some of those people at restaurants now. And I get so tickled. I, I mean, it's kind of a game. You have to forgive me. I'm kind of evil inside. Uh, <laughs> Because it's kind of a game for me because what I, see, I see them there and they, they turn their head and they won't look. You know, 25 years later and they're still mad about something I don't even remember. You know? So I love it. I just go right up to them. <laughs> I say, hey man, so good to see you. Man, it's been a long time. How you doing? And they don't want to talk to me and I don't care. You really should know God that I'm glad to see you. Kill them with kindness, you know. Really, that's what Jesus says. It's exactly what, if it comes from your heart, it's sincere. I have nothing against those dear people. They just got a problem. I'm not going to let their problem be mine. I'm sorry, I'm going over again. <laughs> Look what the verse says. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. Man, it's good to see you. I hope things are great in your life. That is what God has called you to do. Now watch. And when you live that way, he will grant you his blessing. Who this week is going to be rude to you and you're going to want to slug them? <laughs> Instead, turn right around and bless them. With the love of God, with his spirit's love through you. And he says, you watch. They will be blessed, and you will be blessed. So, the essence of Christianity is being an agent of mercy. Two more statements, we're, out, we're at table talk time. First statement is this. The Bible says, to him that knows to do right and does not do it, to him it is sin. It's disobedience. The Bible also says, he says, if you know the truth, then the truth will set you free. And the Bible also says that we are to take this truth and not just be hearers, but be what? Doers. See? If we just come to church and hear this stuff on Sunday morning, and it isn't the way it lives itself out through our lives, then we've wasted an hour of our time. But if we go out this week and we say, God, let me see those people. Let me see those people. I'm looking. He'll show you. He'll lay them on your heart. Kurt, just like we were talking about. He'll lay them on your heart. And you'll be amazed what God will do. Final verse, Hebrews 6, 18, or 6, 10. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him. How do we show our love to him? By caring for other believers as you still do. My prayer is that it will be said of us this week, man, those people must love God because they love each other so much and they want to be connected together and get to know each other more and more. And they're sharing that same kind of love and attention and mercy to us. 
when the world sees that, that's when they see Jesus Christ. And so our prayer is, oh God, may Christ be seen this week through us. So Father, that is our prayer. And how we just ask you to uh, make us to be people who not only say we know you and have been forgiven of our sin, but then that very act of forgiveness and that very likeness of Christ in us is reflected all week long, wherever we are, through the words we speak, through the acts we do, and just through the aroma of Christ from our life. May Jesus Christ be seen. May Jesus Christ be praised. May your hand of anointing and blessing be on every one of us in this room and help us to reflect you beautifully this week and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you're new or want to know more about our Simple Church family, you can visit us online at simple.church or by downloading our simple.church app.